Hi, it's Mark Sisson. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, where we deliver a variety of fresh content to help you live awesome. Enjoy the show. Engage with us online at marksdailyapple.com and on social media, and send your questions to info at primalblueprint.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Primal Blueprint Podcast. we got a repeat offender on the show today, Drew Manning. Drew Manning is great. Drew is the New York Times bestselling author of the book Fit to Fat to Fit and also uh, Complete Keto and some other, um, he's got amazing materials, everything you need to get in shape and, um, you know, uh, charge it in life. But what he did was, uh, as a background, for those of you that don't know, 10 years ago, he did Fit to Fat to Fit. He was very fit, didn't understand uh, what it was like to be fat and sort of be in this environment. So for the sake of empathy and understanding his clients, he went and he got fat intentionally and uh, saw all sorts of terrible results from that in terms of blood markers, mood, et cetera. And then 10 years later, Drew decides he's going to do it again, fit to fat to 40 for his 40th birthday, this time doing it a little bit different. And we talked about that on the last episode of Primal Blueprint, what his plan was for gaining the weight and then losing it, et cetera. So we're going to jump in where you are now, which is you are now on the road back down from fit to fat to 40, right? Yes, correct. Thanks for having me back on, Nell. It's a pleasure to be here. And I'm glad I survived up until this point. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 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 exactly. So let's talk about where you started out uh, before you decided to get fat this time. You were, what, how much, what was your percentage of body fat, your weight? Give us a few stats there. Yeah, so 181.6 pounds was my weight. My body fat was around 8.4% based off the device that I was using. Uh, my waist was 33 and a half inches. So I would say pretty fit. And my, my blood markers were, were pretty good too, if you want to go over those at some point, but let's just say they're all in the green. <laughs> right. So um, I got to say that watching your journey of getting fat was painful for, for me. And, and not <laughs> for me just too. It was like, I'm sure it was very, but not just because it was like, oh God, you know, yeah. Poor Drew, gross. So, you know, he's got a tummy. It was, it was, it was less of like, ew, what's happened to Drew? He's not, you know, as cute as he used to be than <laughs> you were. Um, it was painful for me because you were doing, you're doing it intentionally, and I'm watching your body and remembering what it was like when I unintentionally gained that much weight through hypothyroidism, and it brought me back. Honestly, it triggered a lot of like, um, uh, just looking at your body and and remembering that feeling of just bloat and not being able to to reach certain parts of your body and all this kind of stuff. So at your highest, where'd you get uh, in this weight gain? So now you gave us the initial stats. Give yeah. us where you ended up. Yeah. So I gained 62 pounds. So I ended up at 244 pounds total. Uh, my body fat uh, was 26.2 at its highest point. And I think my waist was 46 inches and, you know, some other scary blood markers in there. And I can, I know what you're saying. Cause I, I remember you saying that to me. And then I also had other people reach out to me. Like I kind of have to check out cause it's kind of triggering because seeing you go through this is very hard to watch you do that to your body. And so a lot of people are like, Hey, I'm going to tap out for a second and then come back when you're done with that phase, <laughs> because it was kind of painful to watch, to see me, not just eat the food. Like that's kind of funny, but to see how it affected me and see how hard it was, it was way harder than I thought it was going to be personally, but, um, so I, I get what you're saying about that. Uh, tell us what were the first things you started to notice? Cause you, you know, you, you, you chronicled yeah. this, you journeyed <laughs> this. Let's talk about mental, emotional, physical stuff. And by the way, I just want to clarify, you didn't work out at all. You were just like, I'm quitting. You just, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No exercise. You just at gave all. up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. For four months. That was kind of the idea. That's what I did on the first journey. So the very first thing I noticed, honestly, and I'm really so, so glad that I had this uh, continuous glucose monitor uh, implanted because it's so cool to see that data feel the blood sugar spike without this. 
it was, I could feel those blood sugar spikes and then those crashes and those crashes were awful, miserable, not fun at all. Cause I went from eating, you know, maybe 50 grams of carbs a day to around a thousand grams of carbs tracking my calories, my macros, and almost hitting 7,000 calories per day, especially those first two months, it was miserable. So the first thing that I noticed was those huge, uh, you know, spikes in, in blood sugar, and then a crash, and then feeling hypoglycemic and shaky and almost nauseous and sick and t- until I fed myself more of that, you know, processed food. That was the first thing. And I felt so sleepy. That was the thing. I was like, with, with that, comes a sense of sleepiness and wanting to take naps. And then it affects my sleep because my blood sugar crashes at night to like the low forties. And then I'm this adrenaline rush wakes me up and I'm like, I got to go eat some food even in the middle of the night. So my sleep is disrupted. And it, 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 it felt like, and I'll compare it to being a parent when I had a newborn baby waking up, even though I was in bed for X amount of hours, I did not sleep the whole time during those hours. And so my sleep was one of the very first things that I noticed as well, um, taking a, a deep dive downwards. And then I'm, you know, in survival mode all day long because I'm sleep deprived. And then, so my hormones are shifting. I'm more emotional. I'm crying all the time. I'm like, what's happening to me? And it's, it, it affects you more than you think it does. And this is why I wanted to p- have people follow me on this journey this time around because they could see that happening happen as it's happening, actually. And they could see the live feeds, the Insta stories, they could see my data, the, the, you know, the data that I was tracking. So that was kind of like the first part of it. That's what was really hard in the beginning. Uh, also to the lack of mental clarity and focus that comes with the train. I mean, because I know, yeah. I, I know you're, you're sharp. You you're, you got that, you know, keto sort of metabolic flexibility situation going on, which you lost. And uh, let's just touch on that a minute. So, sure. um, the re, you know, because you were consistently do this, you had gotten out of the training you already gave your body in terms of being able to jump into ketosis if there was no food without an, uh, a side effect. But because you jumped off the train, you got your body got out of shape there, and that's why you did suffer mentally too, right? I mean, because it was prolonged, and it's so fascinating because if you had just like had a rough weekend or a bad week, yeah. right, yeah. it, it wouldn't would have been as bad. Been. Yeah, it wouldn't have been as bad. Consistent thing every single day made it ten times more difficult. And I'll be honest with you, like oh, I hey, said, real quick, I, there's some scratchy with a mic. I don't know if you're wiping something. Oh, I yeah, it's scratchy. I, sorry, I think I was wiping. Uh, here, I'll, <laughs> okay, don't move through. Okay, so <laughs> I think I think the the problem with doing it consistently every single day over a period of four months um, made it ten times more difficult. And like I said in the beginning, I went. I went into this journey kind of cocky, thinking, oh, I got this. I've done this before. I kind of know what's going to happen. Yeah, it's going to be a little bit hard, but I, I'll get through it. And I was amazed. I just I felt like it was even harder, you know, being maybe because I'm older, maybe because I'm more self-aware, maybe more in tune with my emotions this time around. So feeling those like roller coasters of emotions every single day was really, really hard. And then what people don't realize is when your sleep is affected, your hormones are affected, you're getting these huge spikes in blood sugar and crashes all day long, consistently, time and time again, your ability to handle stress is severely diminished. And so you're constantly in survival mode. So when stress from kids, your spouse or significant other or finances or business or whatever is you know, 10x what it normally is because your ability to handle stress is a lot better when you're sleeping through the night, your hormones are balanced And so I felt like I was a mess, even though in the beginning I could kind of handle it. I'm like, okay, I know what's happening. I just got to, you know, breathe into this. And while I eat my donuts and my (laughs) Mountain Dew, it was kind of like a burning building that was going on. And then I would meditate or I would breathe and that would be like a bucket of water, which 
yeah, it's helpful, but it's not putting out the fire. <laughs> Does that make sense? <clears throat> yeah, it's it's a momentary, uh, you know, little lapse that you can <laughs> find some peace in, but it's it's not going to be your whole day. Let's talk yeah. about some of the blood markers that got jacked um, during yeah. this, or or did they? And so I would be curious, um, did you get your thyroid fully tested, and was there any adjustments in that? I did, and what's interesting is my thyroid pretty, and I don't have the numbers in front of me. I have mm-hmm. everything else but that, but uh, sure. from what I remember, it stayed in the normal range. There wasn't right. like a huge significant shift as far as thyroid Perfect. function. Perfect. So that was I'm adjusting for you. For. Yeah. That yeah no, that's really <clears throat> grateful. Um, you know, normally that wouldn't be the thing unless you got super insulin resistant yeah. and like metabolically screwed, which you didn't do it for too long. What are some of the other markers? What about the HbA1c? I know it's a three month glucose tolerance test. It's the really what we measure insulin resistance sort of prediabetes by. I'm assuming you were 5.2 or below before you started this. What did that change? Yeah, I, I was 5.2 or below, and it didn't change a whole lot, to be honest with you, um, which is surprising. Um, I think I ended up actually at 5.2 on December 1st, so kind of towards the end of my weight gain journey. And I, I can't find my 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 baseline number, but <clears throat> I know it's it's you know it's it's lower than that for sure. Let's right, and had you kept up with it longer, then <clears throat> yeah, that's the thing. My doctor said it, I had a really good doctor monitor me on a monthly basis for the most part, but sometimes on a weekly basis. And he said, look, if you kept this type of damage, your body's pretty resilient. It can take a lot of damage, right? For a period of time. But he said, if you kept this up for five years, 10 years, like some people do, then that's where you start to see some serious long-term damage. But he's like, four months of abuse, your body can kind of take some of that and then recover quickly, which is what's going to happen. I'm pretty sure as I track my markers on the journey back to fit, but a lot of stuff, got really bad in the short term, but he said, Hey, in the long term, you know, your insulin resistance, your hemoglobin, A1C, like those types of things, you know, would, you would see some serious damage over time. Right. Cause what I was doing in four months is what people do over the course of years. So I kind of had a shortened window to kind of quote unquote abuse my body. But, um, <clears throat> let's start with some things like some basic stuff like, uh, triglycerides, HDL, um, you know, C-reactive C- 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 protein, those kinds of things, L- yeah. uh, my lipid protein, uh, insulin-resistance score. So um, <clears throat> so to start out, my HDL, I think, was 68, you know, pretty good, I would say. My triglycerides were 46. After, <clears throat> after one month of, of, of eating standard American diet, my HDL dropped to 50. So that's 18 points right there. And then my triglycerides went from 46 to 246. Okay, <laughs> that right there is... <laughs> accelerated glycation like city it gets worse it gets worse so if you remember month two i did a um a little experiment with certain diets i did a dirty version of keto paleo vegan vegetarian to show people if you're going to do these diets here's what not to do right (laughs) so so uh, so let's get that clarified you were saying like i'm going to do the wrong version of these diets Exactly. And you okay. see this all the time. People eating paleo donuts or paleo granola all day long or keto, you know, ice cream and, and, and vegans are eating all kinds of like pasta and rice and bread and cereal. So <clears throat> I kind of did that dirty version. So the first week was dirty keto. So my triglycerides went from 246, right? Really high at eating standard American down to 79, even on dirty keto, cutting out the sugars, you know, cutting out the carbs still you'll see a drop in triglycerides. So what was dirty about your keto? What were the elements? Lots of low quality dairy, lots of like, you know, lunch meats, like salami and and pepperoni, um, you know, processed these lower quality meats. And then lots of like butter, bacon, cheese all day long, these keto like snacks, these keto, you know, bars. and That sounds glorious. Yeah. It tasted tasted good. 
I mean, you're adding like a half stick of butter to, <laughs> to some like eggs and cheese. It's going to, with some salt, it's going to taste amazing. Uh, so my triglycerides actually went down to 79 and my HDL actually went back up to 55 that week and actually lost two pounds, even though I was stuffing my face with, you know, unhealthy keto foods, you'll see some numbers even because I'm cutting out the carbs. And so you'll see some numbers improve. My weight went down actually probably water weight. We can probably attribute that to, but my, my body fat percentage went up that week. So that's what I wanted to show people is like, Hey, I like 5,000, 5,500 calories of dirty keto food. And I lost two pounds. People are like, Oh, well I better eat that way. Well, look what happened to my, my body fat percentage went up that week. And I did not feel great. I did not feel good at all. I felt nauseous eating that amount of fat all day long. And it, I would say it wasn't the best thing. Um, okay. Then I went to dirty paleo, which how did, how do you do dirty paleo? It's, it's actually kind of harder to be honest with you because you're still eating whole foods. So I just ate a ton of fruits, way too many nuts and seeds. Uh, lots of, like I said, paleo bars, paleo granola, perfect paleo desserts and treats. Uh, my triglycerides went up to 172 that week. Not horrible, but that's a big jump from 79. Right. And then dirty vegan was the next week. Are you ready for this, Elle? I can't wait for the dirty. This is what the one I've been waiting for. Yeah, dirty <laughs> vegan was like, like, and this is one thing people don't know. Oreos are vegan. I Googled it. Oreos, so you can eat all the Oreos you want yeah. and still say you're vegan. So my triglycerides went up to 488 that week. Holy shit. Oh, what? <laughs> Yes. I don't think I've ever seen any triglycerides that high. My God, we it were gets like worse. About to die. <laughs> it gets worse. And luckily, like I said, like I survived. My doctor told me he's seen some people in the thousands before. Oh. They just don't know it. They're just, you know. Uh, so, dirty vegetarian that consisted of tons of like bean and cheese burritos and mac and cheese and yep, cheese sandwiches of, and yeah, <laughs> anything but meat. To be honest with you, I actually enjoyed that week better. Vegan was kind of hard. You got to like research okay is this vegan does this have eggs in it does it have any milk or butter in this bread like all those little things vegetarians super simple it's like hey does this have meat no okay good so triglycerides went from 488 to 538 on dirty vegetarian wow okay so even worse than the dirty vegan yep and by this time my hdl is down to the 40 41 right now at that point were you at the same carb threshold with dirty vegan and dirty vegetarian roughly yeah, roughly. Yeah, still, I would say around the eight hundred to thousand grams per day. Uh, out of the four, <laughs> even though you were doing it sort of the the dirty wrong way, did any yeah. of them feel better than the others? Yeah, I would say I would say dirty keto and dirty paleo probably felt the best. I would say dirty paleo felt the best because I was eating, my digestion was way better eating whole foods. You know, so there wasn't a lot of like you know dirty foods. I would say because even your granola or your bars are made with real food. So I said I would say my digestion was better on dirty paleo than any of the other weeks. Dirty keto, I would say, was probably second, just because I, I felt very nauseous eating, you know, that that much fat. And it was hard for me to get above zero point five heat on my ketone levels uh, on dirty keto, probably because of the amount of calories I was eating, and you know, my my <clears throat> net carbs were still around like forty or fifty, just because of how much quantity I was eating, you know. Right. So. Um, and then, you know, to give you another number after that little experiment, my triglycerides kind of settled, settled in at the 350 range after that. So vegetarian, for some reason, my body just, man, it just, it just exploded that week. Um, which is crazy after just one week. Um, let's see, what else do we have for you? My C-reactive protein 0.21 to start out. And then from there, it got up to 1.13 at its highest. 
Okay, let, let's uh, highlight this because yeah. CRP, t- first of all, tell us roughly what it is and why it's important. I mean, I always would say, you know, third grade explanation is it is a really great indicator of systemic inflammation. One yeah, of them. that's kind yeah. of what I say. Inflammation score, very low, 0.21, you know, pretty much, you know, I would say on the, on the low end, right? I'm pretty sure yours is around there. Yeah, mine was like not even, or didn't, it was like a below number or whatever. And it was like, oh, it's not even showing up. Yeah. You have zero inflammation in your body. That's awesome. Which <laughs> <laughs> is awesome. And then to go from to 1.13 over the course of four months is huge. I mean, it's really scary to see, you know, how quickly the inflammation can, and, and people, you can see it. Like you can, if you look at the pictures, Elle, you can see. Oh my God. I felt it. it I, yeah, I, 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 I've been there. <laughs> I, I, I was like, ah, because I felt like the tightness and the, oh my God, that must've been so brutal to try to reach down or reach to a part of your body. Yeah. Uh, having that big tummy, like you did, like, yeah, <laughs> it, it felt like I, I felt like tight and I was like, oh God, that must be such a <laughs> feel awful. Yeah, it was, it was awful. And that's, I think this time around, I was a little bit more aware of what these numbers were and what they meant. And, you know, capturing all this data as the journey was happening was really kind of cool and unique. And that's why I wanted to make this more educational this time around. The first time around, I did have a doctor, but we didn't have a way to get people to see this as it was happening. So the fact that we can talk about it on a podcast, you know, on my YouTube channel, on my social media, posting these kinds of things is really informational for people because people don't, when they eat cinnamon toast crunch or they drink a soda, they don't think, oh, okay, what is this going to do to my C-reactive protein? What is this going to do to my insulin resistance score? What's this going to do to my HDL, my triglycerides? So people just don't make that correlation until something scary happens. Like, uh, you know, like, okay, boom, all of a sudden I have type 2 diabetes. I'm not feeling well. I'm ha- having trouble breathing, um, you know, uh, all, all kinds of symptoms, you know, and, and you could, you know, speak better to that than I can, but that's what happens. That's the problem with our society is we wait until something scary happens to then make a change. Not for everyone, but I would say a lot of people – because I didn't feel like I was dying necessarily during the, this experiment, but there was, you know, there was times where I felt uncomfortable, but you don't know until you get it tested and you're like, Oh shoot. Now, okay. Now I got to make some changes. Cause these numbers are like, dude, I'm on the edge of insulin resistance and, you know, pre-diabetes, which is. It didn't take that, didn't take that long to edge up right to the, to, to the edge of the wall there. Yeah. What about testosterone? Testosterone, my baseline was around 600, so decent. I've never had, had huge high levels of testosterone, I think, my entire life. I've never had like the 1,000 range. you know. Uh, so 600 it, for me is, is decent, I would say. I feel good at that range. Um, and then it dropped down to 241, <laughs> I believe. Okay. So Which this I, don't even have to, I, don't, I don't even have to get it tested to tell you that change. But <laughs> Okay, so we know that um, aside that. from mental focus and lean muscle mass, let's talk about did your sex drive drop, energy, give us the low test. Because that's a huge difference between 600 yeah. and 200. And I've talked to dudes who have been at both ends and the, it's, it's a, a different world. It is a different world. And, you know, the, the, the main thing people think of when they think of testosterone is either muscle mass or sex drive, which, mm-hmm. yes, that plays a factor. Um, you know, so my sex drive definitely decreased 100%, not only from a, a lower testosterone, but just also from, you know, confidence in myself, like my body. Like, I didn't feel sexy because can we talk about, like, sexual stuff on this podcast? Yeah, absolutely. People don't know this, but – and I'm going to get very open and vulnerable. Hopefully your audience doesn't – mind. But I think it's important for men to understand this. If any men are listening or women that are married to men, your penis size is not the same when you're gaining fat. So every 30 pounds or so of fat that you put on your body, I went, your, your, 
your erection stays the same size. This is what I've learned from my doctor. It stays the same size, but it's kind of pulled inwards because of that fat in that area pulls it in. So the appearance of it is shorter. So that plus low testosterone. No one wants this. <laughs> no one wants this. Wants that. <laughs> so all the guys listening, all the women, the go tell your man. This is the one. This is the <laughs> go tell your husband to lose weight now so that he can get, gain an inch or two. Um, and here's the thing. The first journey, I freaked out about this because I didn't know what the hell was going on. I'm like, okay, I, I'm going to stop this because this is not normal what's happening. And then I, I realized, okay, this is just what happens when you gain fat. A lot of You're like, I, I just can't see it because there's- <laughs> <laughs> it's not that bad. I know that it goes back to normal. No, so I, I, didn't, I didn't freak out too much. And right, right, right. at the time, which I'm not sure if you want to get into this, you know, I had, I had a girlfriend. She didn't care. You know, she still thought it was sexy. Um, but yeah, my, my sex drive was lower. My energy levels throughout the day, like I said, were a lot lower. I was more emotional. So I wish I, I didn't get my estrogen tested, but I know that I was more emotional because I would cry. Well, especially since your testosterone was so low, we can pretty much bet. Yeah. On it being- <laughs> yeah. And I could tell too, like I know when I'm, when I'm sleep deprived and low testosterone, uh, I know I'm going to be more reactive that day and I'm going to be more emotional, like crying during commercials kind of stuff. So, and then also By the way, let, let's, let's talk about that. So, sure. um, cause that is a sheer sign of someone needing testosterone or having an issue or needing yeah. to build it back up is literally like, if you find yourself getting weepy at a really cute cat commercial, you know? And, uh, <laughs> so, uh, and you know, I'm in my forties and, um, while I have regular periods and everything about me is normal, we still women, right. We shift at a certain point where things start to get off. I noticed that that was happening to me. And so I take testosterone, not a lot. I take like yeah. one milligram, you know, versus yeah. Men who take 60, which is the lowest you would take as a woman. Um, within three days of me taking one milligram of testosterone, when I, fr- I tried it, I started it a year ago. Uh, within three days, I had stopped weeping about stupid stuff. And I'm not saying even things that were wrong. It was sentimental. I'm sure like you look at a picture of your child and you're just crying at the beauty of it, but like, why am I crying? I'm crying all the time. And it's not even about like negative stuff. It's about like a good childhood memory and I'm all sentimental. It's like, but then I'm weeping all the time and I'm constantly blowing my nose and what a different world that I'm living in and what a difference that made. So if you're a guy out there, you've got low testosterone, doesn't mean you need supplementation. Uh, But you go down this road first and you follow Drew and see what he's doing and look at complete keto and everything else he's got. Your testosterone is going to turn around. Um, You know, Brad Kearns has had this happen to him when he was restricting calories without really knowing it kind of got exhausted. The testosterone was dropping when he changed it and caught himself went right back up to like high school levels. He's 56 and he doesn't need testosterone at this point. So it's just such an important topic and testosterone really. And the other thing I noticed about it was lean muscle mass, Marie, but it also was a mental thing because I knew it wasn't thyroid. Did you notice the mental focus thing? I mean, it must've been related to food, but it also had to be related to testosterone. Yeah. I think both of those things, it it, it was hard to tell which was which, but definitely the mental fatigue, the brain fog. Also the other thing with low testosterone is lack of motivation, like lack of motivation to do Yep. things, working out, eating healthy, going out and being active. Or, so that's another thing that, that you lose. And so for me, I didn't have to worry about working out, but my motivation to try harder maybe in my relationship or maybe do more work was affected by you know the brain fog from the food and the low testosterone. And so that's another thing that people you know are missing out on is the, ma- the lack of motivation. So you see people all the time like, I just don't have the motivation to work out <clears throat> and they haven't been eating healthy. They haven't been exercising. And they're like, all right, I'm going to, one day they have motivation. They're like, okay, I'm going to do this. But with low testosterone, when your hormones are off, 
it makes it even harder to like get out there and push yourself. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that could be something it's to look a, into. It's a general as well. malaise. It's a kind of like, uh, you know, you stop kind of caring and being motivated about the things you once were passionate about. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a classic. Yeah. Um, all right. So you, you brought it up. You, you, know, you <laughs> had a relationship that, uh, you know, kind of ended through yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, we broke up and this was very, very, this is what I think made this journey 10 times harder than what it already was. Cause it was already hard for me to go through what I was going through and then to have arguments. And then obviously, you know, I'm not my best self when I'm not just overweight. That's not what it's about. It's about your ability to handle stress um, and your ability to talk through things. Cause you know, when you're sleep deprived, your hormones are off low testosterone. You're, I'm, I felt more reactive than I normally am and, you know, less patient, probably not as nice. And that's, you know, this is why I wanted to show this part of it to show people like, hey, when you're not taking care of your physical health, you're not your best self in your, you know, if you're in in your relationship as a business owner, as an employee, as a sibling, as a mom or dad, you're not the same you when you don't take care of your physical health. And so going through the breakup in a public way, which sucked because it was actually harder than my divorce. You know, I went through a divorce about five, six years ago with my ex-wife, but the divorce, it took us years to get to make that decision to eventually pull the trigger. It wasn't like, boom, all of a sudden, this breakup was like, boom, all of a sudden. And now it's like my team's scrambling like, all right, well, you're in Hawaii. She's here. You're eventually going to have to come on and people are asking, oh, where's Julie? Where, like, what's happening? And people are all up in your business. And so this is, I guess, you know, part of being on social media like this is, is this kind of stuff you have to address. Because you can't just pretend it doesn't exist. You know, you can do only do it for so long. And we had to make a freaking video and talk about the breakup and how hard it was. And it just made it so much harder on top of how hard it already was. And so the emotions from that, like I said, I don't think I've ever been depressed in my life. And this is probably the most depressed I've ever been because it happened during a time when I was not physically and mentally healthy yeah. with this journey. And what that speaks to in terms of getting this uh, overall baseline of your body right to either make be, be a good partner, to be the best partner you can be, um, or also, you know, uh, attracting the right person for you. Because if you're out of health, you know, if you're out of shape right now and you want to and you want to be with someone that values that, you got to be that. You know, now that wasn't any issue with Julie. She's a health person. And so you're on the same page and she knew you were going to obviously do this. But yeah, that was, um, I really admire you for that. I, uh, when I saw that video and in general, I was like, oof, uh, because I think immediately I was like, oh God, I would, that, that would be something that would be mortifying to me to have to do. Um, I also applaud you though, for being like super vulnerable and putting that out there. That is, you know, that, that had to have been tough for you to press the send button. On. <laughs> it, it was, it was so, so devastating. Like, and it was really hard because I, you know, social media is one of those platforms you can show people what you want to show them. Like you can you know, the people see what you want them to see, but it was really, really devastating on a very personal level to have to go through that. And we even joked <clears throat> before this journey, like, Hey, you're going to sign this contract. You can't break up with me during this journey, this experiment. <laughs> and just for the record, it has it had nothing to do with me being overweight. Like, I don't want people sure, to think sure. that about her. Like, Oh, she left you when you were fat. She doesn't no, care. No. It had nothing to do with that. We had issues before this. I, and the interesting thing was this amplified those issues, you know, 10 times more than what they normally are. And this is another thing I'm trying to get across to people is like, if you have, if you're having issues, I'm not saying if you're physically healthy, all those issues go away, but your ability to handle those issues 
is increased when you're sleeping through the night, when your hormones are balanced, because you're thinking more clearly. You're not reactive. You're not in survival mode all day long. You can more thoughtfully respond and think things through. So that's another component of this journey that, yes, it sucked to go through. But, but it also so positive that it all got brought to the surface. Yes. And it made it relatable to every, people out there going through life. 2020 was a crazy ass year, right? So many hard things happening for a lot of people. This is life. And for me to go through that on top of my journey, life happens and you, you have to keep going. You have to finish what you started. For me personally, I could have stopped and said, no, this is too hard. It's not worth losing this relationship. But for me, I was like, look, I'm almost done with this. I'm just going to finish it anyways. Uh, but added a, a more human element to this journey rather than it being so robotic and like, oh, Drew's eating this many calories and here's his data, here's his numbers, and he's gaining this much weight. Like, it just added a more human element to it at the end of the day. I guess that's one positive thing. You must be so relieved that you are on the way back down, <laughs> oh, right? Man. Because I know, like, even four months <clears throat> is almost too long for you probably to, to, to deal with this. Um, let's talk about your, your way back now. Yeah. To, uh, you know, okay, you got fat and now you're getting back to fit. Uh, are you doing your thing, complete keto to do it? Are you doing a variety of things? Are you, are you going to, you're not going to do the vegan paleo thing on this journey or are you, what, how are you edging down? You got some good questions. So here's the thing. I wanted to start out very simple in the beginning. So the first week I actually didn't do any exercise other than walking. So I walked and I stretched every single day. And I added a list of things that I recommend people do that I do for myself to help shift my mindset for the journey that's about to where I'm, we're about to embark on. So that includes things like making your bed every morning. It's a mental discipline thing. It's something you can be perfect in every single day. Like, hey, I'm going to wake up in the morning. First thing I'm going to do is make my bed. And if I can stay perfect in that and be disciplined in that, that can carry over into other areas of your life where you have to be disciplined, whether it's with food or exercise. Uh, also taking a cold shower. Cold showers suck. There's yeah, sure. There's health benefits to it. I really don't care about the health benefits so much. It's more so about the mental discipline of training your brain to become comfortable in an uncomfortable situation because our society is a society of comfort, right? We have a refrigerator and freezer and we have a heater and air conditioner and we have soft beds and soft couches to sit on and soft clothes to wear. We have all these, these luxuries of comfort and you really have to step outside of that to live in a world to, to make yourself uncomfortable and be comfortable in that. Because a lot of people are like, Oh, working out. Ow, that makes my muscles hurt. That's uncomfortable. I don't want to do that. <laughs> or eating less calories, like being hungry. That's uncomfortable. I don't want to do that. So the cold shower thing is really training your brain in an uncomfortable situation to breathe and relax. And yeah, it's going to suck in the beginning, but you're training your brain to become comfortable in an uncomfortable situation, which once again, will carry over into other areas of your life. And then there's things like, Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just thinking on that note. So uh, because of the cold showering, they call that like, right, hormesis, right? A, a shock to the system, a stressor. Um, and I was just thinking, oh my God, this year, you went through all the hormesis. You went through a relationship hormesis. You experienced some political hormesis at the end yeah. of it. We had that yeah. throw in there. My God, all the different, like every hormesis available. Hormesis is my new favorite word now. I'm going to use that all the time. Right. <laughs> so true. All of it. Um, sorry. So, so, so go ahead. Yeah. So on top of that, there's little things like meditation, which, you know, I'm a huge fan of meditation. Does it help you get a six pack? No, but it can carry over into other areas, or other areas of your life that I think uh, provide some benefit. Uh, gratitude list every single day, positive affirmations, these types of things to help rewire your brain, to help you be more fulfilled now where you're at, instead of saying, okay, one day when I get this body, then I will be happy. And then my life will be perfect. 
it's learn to be grateful and happy and fulfilled now where you're at, even though it's not perfect, even though it's not where you want to be. Because I promise you, if you wait till one day when you get the body to be happy, you're going to be at war. Life's too short. Life's too short to go through your whole life saying one day when I get this, then I'll be happy. So those kinds of things to rewire your brain, to train your brain to become comfortable in uncomfortable situations. And then the next week I started eating healthy, meal prepping, exercising. So I did a, a, a similar version to complete keto, but it was more of a, we changed it up and did a more of a Mediterranean style this time around. Mm-hmm. My body, I love red meat. I love saturated fat for sure, but my body seems to do better on less saturated fat on a ketogenic diet. So for me, we, we did more of a Mediterranean style. So, so like more, more olive oils, more avocados. Yeah, yeah. Poly and mono and saturated fats instead of just a ton of red meat and cheese. So very minimal dairy, if any at all, uh, you know, red meat, maybe once a week at the most. Um, but yeah, switching it up a little bit. And, and so that's the strategy for the first 30 days. Now, here's the thing. Month two, I promised people that I would revisit those diets because I taught people how not to do them. Uh-huh. Now I'm going to teach people the right way to do them, right? So I, um, I'm already doing keto. do blood work through those too. So we'll see like the right way and what it does to blood yes. work or not. Yes. Okay, great. Exactly. So it'll be interesting because... Now I'm not eating Oreos for vegan or I'm not eating like bean and cheese burritos for vegetarian. Paleo is going to be more of like a, you know, a, a clean version, kind of what you and Mark promote <laughs> and, um, and then, and showing people what to do, you know, on those diets. So it's only one week at a time. So I'll be doing paleo, then vegan, then vegetarian for month two. Um, and then from there I'll go into more of a, you know, I'm a big fan of keto, but you know, you don't need to stay in a state of ketosis for the rest of your life. So it'll be more of a cyclical keto diet. And then from there, uh, I'll transition into a targeted keto diet for performance that last month, hopefully to help my workouts, um, you know, accelerate a little bit, the results to get back to fit where hopefully, you know, within four months, that's my goal is to get back to fit. So right, right now, as of right now today, I am a little over three weeks and three and a half weeks in to the journey back to fit. I'm done. I can already see the difference in your face. <laughs> just well, like, it's like a deflammation. <laughs> yeah, I know. But you, you can go see the, the, the side-by-side pictures. You can see it in the face for sure. Totally. Um, I'm down 20 pounds so far. I'm down about a little over 4% body fat. Um, but I still have a long ways to go. And this is the thing that people need to realize is I have people complaining like, hey, I only lost two pounds the first week. This isn't working for me you probably hear that all the time. Like we compare ourselves so much to other people and then it's, we self-sabotage because we think, Oh, well, I only lost X amount of weight and this isn't working. Why so much, why, why, why do so much sacrifice for minimal results when I could just drink wine and be happy and eat cheeseburgers all day long. I get that mentality, but if you keep doing that to yourself over and over again, you're never ever going to see the results that you're hoping for because you're not staying consistent. And so you know, I, I try and help people through that transition. Um, in this uh, next phase where you're going to be, uh, have you lifted weights yet? Have you tried a weightlifting uh, session yet? So right now it's just body weight exercises. Uh, month two will phase. Wait, body weight, meaning you did some push ups or something like that? Yeah, push ups. I was going to ask you, did you get sore after your <laughs> oh, <first? laughs> Yeah. Even doing push ups on my knees, I was getting sore. I could barely do push ups like, you know, normal push ups. Uh, I, could, I could barely do those. So I was so sore the first week, even the second week I was super sore, Yeah, but it felt good to be sore. I'll be totally honest with you, Elle. It felt good to be sore, even though it sucks and I'm way out of shape and I'm going back into the gym and like my belly's hanging out and I know people are looking at me weird, like, man, that guy really let himself go. 
Um, I think <laughs> I think most people knew what yeah, I was doing. I wonder what the people out there near you were like, I thought this guy, what's happened to him? Like who don't know about this? <laughs> there was a few people that didn't know what I was doing. And eventually word got around to them that they knew what I was doing. And they came up to me like, hey, just so you know, I didn't know what happened. Like I didn't know what you were doing. And then seeing you, they're like, man, I can't believe what happened to that guy. And then people explained to them, oh, he did this on purpose, which I'm grateful for. So they don't look at me so weird. Um, <laughs> but it's been a humbling, humbling process to work out again and be super weak and no endurance at all. Um, but I, I, I do love that part. The part that's hard L is the, I would say the emotional eating part. And maybe we can touch on that because I think it's so yeah. we simplify it in the fitness industry. Here's your macros, here's your calories, here's your meal plans, recipes, your cookie cutter thing here, give it to them, boom, you do it. And then you lose the weight. It's taking, we're missing the human element part of that where it's like, okay, I'm going to try and follow this meal plan, but my kid's screaming at me. My husband and I got in a fight. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm struggling financially and okay, I'm trying to meal prep and stay on top of these things. And you know what? I didn't meal prep today. Freak. All I have in the freezer is pizza and, and, you know, and I don't know what else. I can't think of anything, but uh, this unhealthy food, it's a constant battle day in and day out for people. Even for me, the first two weeks, on the first journey were so surprising at how my body almost fought back against me. Like I was trying to willpower it to eat healthy food, but my body's like, dude, where's this, the drugs that we've had <laughs> the past four you months, get six months. You, yeah. you, and you can't help it, especially if you do it for a long period of time, you have one bender, you might be able to get off it and be okay. But if it keeps going, you're, you're locked in until you change it. That must've been, yeah, there was a, you posted a video where you're like emotionally eating ice cream or something one day. And I was like, oh, God, I feel really bad oh. for that. But let's just talk about, or, and maybe you can um, explain it in a, in a physiology sort of way for, for the lay person, which is when we are under stress, whether that's lack of sleep, blah, 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 your kids yelling at you, your divorce, whatever, um, it, it kind of ignites that reward right? It ignites the thing. Can you, can you touch on that and how it's, the, oh. it's, it's not your fault. We think it's our fault, but we got ourselves into a place. We didn't realize we got to until you get out of it. It's like any crack addict. It's just glucose. Yes. 100%. It's these little constant dopamine hits to help us deal with the stress, the pain from the emotional struggles that we're going through. So for a lot of people, we've trained our brains from a very young age to do this when we are going through some type of emotional trauma in our life, whether it's food, drugs, alcohol, sex, porn, TV shows, movies, social media, whatever your drug of choice is, I don't judge. We all have something that numbs that pain temporarily because it's too much. It's too, it's too painful for us to deal with just sitting in that being uncomfortable, right? Like I talked about. So for a lot of people, food is so easy because it's legal, it's cheap, it tastes freaking good, and it gives you that little dopamine hit. And I experienced this firsthand where I would say for the first month or two of my journey, I was eating to gain weight. I was eating to stuff my face, right? Yeah, the food tasted good. When I went through my, my breakup and I went through that depression phase, I truly felt that little dopamine hit when I was sad and lonely and depressed. The Ben and Jerry's Netflix and chill dairy-free ice cream. I'm not saying go buy this, but it freaking did its job remarkably to the point where, yes, I felt temporarily happy eating that, even though I was sad in my heart. And temporarily, you get this little dopamine hit and you're like, okay, this is life is good for a little bit. And then it goes away and you're like, okay, I need that other hit. And so then we train our brain and then we try and willpower our way to eating broccoli and kale and spinach. 
And it doesn't, I'm sorry, but that doesn't do the trick. It doesn't give you the same <laughs> dopamine hit that these other foods are doing. And so it's like getting off of a drug. You're going through these withdrawal symptoms where your body's like, dude, we're struggling here with this pain. Where's our drugs at? And so your body is kind of pushing you towards those foods sometimes. And this is the hard part when people try and make a healthy lifestyle change. We think, oh, dude, just stop eating the junk food. What's wrong with you? But you wouldn't go tell a drug addict, like, dude, stop doing drugs. Like, well, well back in the day, Nancy Reagan, right? She was like, just say no. And I was like, what? Just say That's never worked. Did that work? I don't think yeah. that worked. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's the problem. Mindset. There's more behind that, right? About what's happening in someone's life as to why they're making these decisions or they've wired themselves this way unbeknownst to them. This is why hashtag team empathy. Empathy is something I'm trying to bring to this industry because we look at people, our society does, judges people who are overweight thinking, dude, just stop eating so much food and then fix it. Yeah. People would, if they freaking could, it's not that simple. And so this is why I want to bring more awareness of, of having empathy for people, but also an, the, an understanding, a better understanding on the mental and emotional side of transformation that you know so well and that I'm discovering through these journeys. But now I'm hearing so many other stories of, of people's individual stories. Like you take someone with trauma, some abuse, some emotional challenges, and you see why they created these patterns. It's almost like a, a self-preservation, pres, self-preservation mechanism that their bodies do to help them survive. Um, and, and so that's why I don't judge, it, you know, for some people, like I said, it's ice cream for some people, it's alcohol. And for some people it's meth and cocaine and heroin, whatever it is. Like we have those things that we do to ourselves and we, we train our brain to gravitate towards that. So it, that's why it's not as simple as just stop eating the junk food. And so this is why I'm trying to bring more empathy to this industry because of that. And, and me going through that experience on my, on this journey and my last journey, I would say, even for me, it's been a struggle. The first two weeks, I would say, were really hard. Um, after about two weeks or so, I will say the cravings become more manageable as you stay consistent, if you stay consistent. Um, they don't ever truly go away. Like the other night, I had a couple of friends over for the UFC fights. They brought some beer. They brought some treats, some snacks, and I made sure and ate before they came. But yeah, I was freaking tempted. I would have loved to have that. But I vocalize to them, Hey guys, uh, you guys know I'm on my journey back to fit. I'm not drinking for the first 30 days. I can't eat those foods. I got to stay strict to my meal plan. And yeah, it sucked. And, but it is what it is. And I know that the thing that helps me get through it is the thousands of people doing this journey with me from all over the world. I know they're struggling along right there with me. It's they're people and a food in their face all day long. If they can do it, I can do it too. And that's what helps me push through those moments. Yeah. And I think one of the most, I mean, anyone can go, uh, that's what I love about complete keto and how you talk about this aspect of empathy and sort of share a personal story. Um, you can, you can get the diet plan, you can do it, but if you are not <laughs> rewiring and getting into what brought you there, what your reasons are, how do you feel in your body? What is, how does that make you feel? How do you feel towards other people? How do you feel when people look at you? These are the questions. These are the kinds of things that coaches, who are dealing with that. And again, like you said, if it's someone who's just like, oh, hey, I had a baby, I gained a little weight, weight. I already know what to do. But it's if it's chronic struggling for years and years, no no diet plan's going to do it. I mean, it could. You could get satiated after a month. Yeah. But then again, stress is going to creep up in your life. And are you going to fall off that wagon uh, forever if you don't have the tools? Yeah, it's so true. And so this is this is kind of why I think this, what I'm doing with Fit Fit 40, doing it a second time, makes this a unique journey because here you have someone, the, the coach, the leader, whatever you want to call it, 
looks like the person, the client, you know, trying to lose the weight. And I can relate to the struggles as, you know, as best as I can. You can't fully put yourself in someone else's shoes, but it, I think it, there, it creates this relationship of relatability between us that's, you know, unique. It's not really, hasn't really been done in the industry before. And so that's my, my hope is that through this journey, people feel more understood. And when people feel more understood, they're more willing to listen to the advice that, you know, you or I are trying to give them. But if you're coming from a place of higher authority and I'm better than you and you're less than because you're down here and I'm up here, I'm sorry, but that turns out, turns off like probably 80 to 90% of our population because they look at people with this 5% body fat and they're like, okay, cool. You look great, but that's, that, you know, nothing about what I'm going through or how hard this journey is. I'm not saying that's an excuse to not live a healthy lifestyle, but like I said before, no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And so that's why I'm trying to shift the dynamic in this industry that is very focused on body image, is very focused on looks and weight and body fat percentage, and that's cool. But it's not for everybody. And if we could just get people to have a little bit of healthier habits and learn how to operate out of a place of self-love instead of self-hate, then I feel like that's where they, they want to make that mindset shift. They want to learn how to rewire their brain. They want to start, okay, I want to live healthier. So it's baby steps. It's not just like you can't shame someone into eating less food, <clears throat> just like you can't shame someone into stop doing drugs. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. I had it a, a, a little glip uh, not too long ago. I, I rarely drink. It's very rare. Like, mm, my God, once yeah. in a millennium, really. <laughs> And so, but I, I was in a celebratory situation. I had way, a lot of champagne, like shit. <laughs> it was a bad call. Let's yeah. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed myself for the moment. Okay. But my brain was dead for three days. I was a, oh. I didn't work out. I was a mess. Now I wasn't like crawling around throwing up, it w- but I was, it affected every part of me. I was depressed. I know it's alcohol is a depressant. And then that led into me making some too many cheaty kind of choices. And then next thing you know, I've kind of like got a headache. I'm not feeling right. My puff, puffy from the dairy I ate. And then I was just like, what am I? I have to like, okay, that was a fun, quick little bender celebration. It was amazing because within like 48 hours, it does turn around. If you just ingest the right things and you, you get back on the horse, but that's only because I went off briefly. And I was thinking about you and thinking about this because I was not in a good place. Yeah. You know, and I was like, oh gosh, I'm glad I know what I know because I might just be spiraling down. <laughs> yeah. I, um, also to you, uh, well, perfect time. I was, I was wondering this about you. So I know you did this intentionally, right? Yes. And, and that's different from someone who's locked in it and, and, you know, can't get out of it or has some other metabolic thing they don't even know about yet. But, you know, in walking through the world, like you're obviously, I mean, like, I know no one likes to become a, but you're, but you're a really good looking guy who's really fit. And, you know, you walk around the world and like, you know, this about yourself. I'm not saying yeah. you're a, a bragger, but that must've been a little weird walking around in that body. Like, how was the confidence? Were you like feeling embarrassed about yourself or were you not? Cause you're like, whatever, I know it's going to go away in four months. I'm going to be fit and hot again. You know what I'm saying? Very good question. So let's compare it to my first journey. My first journey, I was very obsessed about my body image as my self image. And I, that was my identity. So the first time I got fat, that was really, really uncomfortable. And I did have have a freak out moment or moments during that first journey where I would want to go up to strangers and explain to them, I'm not really overweight, you guys. This is just an experiment. Here's my before picture. Go to this website. I promise I'm, I normally have a six pack. This time around, with all the work I've done on myself going through a divorce, you know, yeah, therapy life coaches, like, 
yeah, I don't, I'm, I definitely was way more confident this time around. Like I went to Hawaii, like I said, for Thanksgiving, had my shirt off at the beach. Like, and that's the thing is like, no one cares. No one cares. By the way, we're sorry, Hawaii. I'm just kidding. I felt totally fine and comfortable, uh, to be honest with you, with my shirt off. I really didn't care because I knew, like you said, it's a temporary thing. And, and our bodies are temporary. When you get too attached to the way you look and you become obsessed and that becomes part of your identity, then let's say you have a moment where, like, let's say a woman gets pregnant, she freaks out, she hates herself, she feels disgusting because her body isn't what it was because we're so attached to our body image as our self-image. And so if you can learn to detach that, which I've done over years of, like, like I said, life coaching therapy and books and things like that, you'll be a lot happier no matter what your body looks like. But that doesn't mean you don't take care of yourself. It doesn't mean you don't try to exercise and eat healthy and, and maybe look a certain way, but it, does, it doesn't define you. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so uh, I, I owned it this time around. I'll, I'll admit I was a lot more confident. Well, it's an interesting because, yeah, that younger you was more an ego. Yes. <clears throat> and I get that whole like, uh, hey, I don't worry. <laughs> you know, I felt that a little bit um, one time. So I did an experiment where I tried to get off thyroid hormone. It didn't work. I got fat, but I knew it was the pandemic. And I was like, whatever, I can take care of this. So no one's going to see me. But I ran into someone uh, and I remember kind of wanting to disclaim it. Like I had a moment where I want to be like, no, just by the way, I'm doing an experiment <laughs> where I'm currently yeah. not where That's I should so be. Uh, and then I thought, who cares? Like, who cares? Yeah. You know, who cares? But I can see that you're younger, you uh, yeah. being a little bit more hesitant. What, uh, tell us, I mean, so fit, the number two, fit to fat to fit is really your handle on all the social media. Tell us how we can learn more about not only this journey that you just done, the fit to fat to but yep. tell us like, you know what you're doing. Yeah. Summer's coming. It's it. Yeah. I say that because it takes a few months to get your shiz ready for summer. <laughs> so and the worst thing, at least what I remember, and I mean, you didn't have to experience it this time. You could just hide in your Utah winter with yes. your waking. <laughs> um, it's horrible to feel uncomfortable in your own body in summer. It's yeah. the worst because you can't cover it up. It looks stupid if you're wearing sweatshirts. I, I've been there. I I, yeah. I know what this is like. And so uh, we got a few months here. Let's get on this journey with Drew, get metabolically healthy, uh, change our mindset. How do we do that? How can we yeah. learn how to do that from you? So fit to fat to fit.com, like you mentioned, and then just forward slash back to fit with the number two. And then you could still sign. I still have people signing up today. Like, dude, I'm joining you for month two of your journey and I'm going to continue on from there. So that's the cool thing is you get access to my app. You get access to my private Facebook group where I answer your questions and help you along the journey. Um, and so that's what makes it so cool is there's thousands of people from all over the world, tens of thousands of people from all over the world doing this journey with me. And I would love for people to join me because you're, yeah, you're going to learn about meal plans and recipes and workouts. Like the most important part is the mindset shift that you and I talk about. That's so important for actually living a healthy lifestyle and learning how to operate out of a place of self-love versus self-hate. So that's what I'm about. If that's what you want to be about, yeah, I would love for people to join me. So thanks, Elle, for having me on. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. And everyone else, we'll <coughs> all of the links to connect with Drew in the show notes, and we will see you next week. If you're looking to bring the heat to game day snacks and party platters, or are looking to add a little feisty flavor to your sauce collection, Primal Kitchen's buffalo sauce brings just the right amount of heat. Keto certified, Whole30 approved, and paleo certified, this creamy sauce is made with high quality real food ingredients like cashew butter, avocado oil, cayenne sauce, and organic garlic powder. Primal Kitchen Buffalo is a medium heat sauce made without sugar and without xanthan gum, keeping the focus on delicious, real food flavor that adds a craveable kick to cauliflower bites or chicken wings. 
So use the code PRIMALBLUEPRINT to take 20% off your purchase at checkout.